Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. First things first, what happened before the game? Suns make a trade with the Nets and the Memphis Grizzlies. They gave up most of their bench and just about every second-round pick they could find in the closet. They receive Royce O'Neal and David Roddy. O'Neal, 38% three-point shooter who can guard two through five. Former Nets teammate of Kevin Durant as well. Now, as far as the game, beat Utah and looked great. 129-115. KD, 31 points, eight boards, seven assists, three steals, and two blocks. It was Bradley Beal. He also had 30 points and 7 assists. Grayson Allen with a career-high 14 assists. Give us that rundown on how great the ball movement was, Coach. But our whole team is sharing the basketball. You know, we want to become a team-first team. You know, we have elite scores. We have elite individual talent. But uh, I love how we're playing together. Suns travel to San Francisco tonight. They take on Golden State tomorrow on the road. Tip-off in Lost to the Vegas Knights 3-2. That's not the story. They gave up two goals in the first 77 seconds of the game and were down 3-1 seven minutes into the game. Clayton Keller did score a goal in the third, but it clearly wasn't enough. So even though they didn't show up to start the game, you know Andre Turney, he's happy. We played, it. we played a good game. It's, it's the first five minutes, obviously. Uh, they played two days ago, and that you, can, you could see they, were, they had an edge in that. And when we got our leg under ourselves, we're, we're a good team. Yotes are five points behind Nashville and St. Louis for the final playoff spot, and they can close that gap because they take on the Nashville Predators on the road tomorrow night. They were down 18 to one to start the game. Didn't even remotely show up. Devils lose 82 to 70 at Colorado. It's a bad time right now to be Bobby Hurley. Oh, they'll take on Utah tomorrow night. U of A, a lot better. A triple overtime thriller. U of A wins 105-99 in 63 minutes of basketball. The Wildcats had only eight turnovers. Larson went for 27 points and eight boards. And for the first time, Tommy Lloyd standing on the table and saying, this is my team. If you want to compete for a conference championship, you have to be able to compete and win some games on the road. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we didn't get it done at Washington State. We didn't get it done at Oregon State. Stanford, obviously, we didn't get it done. We played there. But I think we're playing better basketball now. Wildcats are at Colorado tomorrow night. Best record in the country, 21-2. Lopes are home tomorrow. They take on Southern Utah. Tip-off, 6 o'clock. An amazing ceremony for Vanessa Bryant to unveil a new statue at Crypto.com Arena for Kobe. She says, quote, the pose was picked by Kobe. So if anybody has any issues, tough shit. <laughs> Minnesota, Denver, and Dallas all won last night. So the Suns are also five games back of the number one spot. Super Bowl is Sunday. Kyle Shanahan, how'd practice go? 
Uh, yeah, usually Super Bowl practices are, you know, they're great. Guys um, got a lot of natural energy. They're all really excited for the moment on Sunday, and guys just want, um, they want every opportunity to go through that so they're as prepared as well as they can be when you get to Sunday. I butchered the end. Oh, well done. That was that was Izzy improvising right there. And finally, to find the person still alive during your investigation. I have never had that happen before. Who said that? The Evansville depth deputy coroner. <laughs> A man was playing basketball outside in Evansville, Indiana for hours when he passed out. They called an ambulance who treated him, and instead of keeping him alive, they called the coroner and said he'll be dead soon. The problem was when the coroner got there, he was still alive. The paramedic said, it's okay, it's because I pumped him full of medicine, he'll be dead soon. 20 minutes later, he's still alive, and they called a different ambulance. The company AMR says they will investigate. Yeesh. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, aka the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes and the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. You, Unplugged Army, have driven the American economy into a successful. You have earned something that so many people in the world wish they could say and they don't have the ability to because they do not have our armed forces which have fought since Lexington and Concord until today to give us our freedom. It's a beer Friday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz and I am hot. And you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of the fourth great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the rallies rising in the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Can I have three seconds, maybe four seconds of dead air, please? Here we go.
this thermostat is dishonest. It's just flat out dishonest. I, I came in this morning and the studio was 61 degrees. Now, if you don't know anything about the old building, I have a rule that I don't even have the power to make, but I go by it anyway and I demand other people live by it even though I don't have this power. Whoever is on air is in charge of the thermostat. It's that simple. That guy's got to be comfortable, which was always entertaining because I like to have the studio. It keeps me awake. So I have the studio much colder than my real life. I like to keep the studio around 68 degrees. I live at home around 70 degrees. So that's what I like. However, Izzy prefers, I think he sets it at 82 degrees. Anything colder than 77 degrees, Izzy's actually secretly has a blanket on while he's doing his show. Um, having said that, I came in and it was set at 61. And I was thinking, oh no, Izzy's a, more of a man than I am. So I came in and I bumped it up to 69 and I thought that'll be comfortable. And all of a sudden as the show starts, it's hot in here. So there's no way this thermostat is right at 69. So I've actually reset it to 66. And then we'll see that, that, like I said, it's not real. There's no way that's actually 66. But we will get it that way. Izzy, when you're at, when you're at home, do you, do you have the, the heat blasting or anything? Yeah, I have the heat blasting, but as soon as as soon as it gets dark, I gotta have the AC on, gotta have the fan on, three covers, you know, the whole the whole gotta go through the whole shebang. Oh yeah, I don't know if that changes when you get older or <laughs> or or not. For me, life is dramatically different because I decided to not skin tone wise, but I married a lizard. I, I mean, my wife is frighteningly cold blooded, and it's one of those things where. I don't care. Like when you first get married, you're all curled up and everything and you just love your wife and you try to get as close as you can when you go to sleep. And then that that lasted about a week and a half. (laughs) And then it was like, I'm not getting anywhere near you. She was, it was sleeping with a very loving ice cube. And I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near that. And then now that she's older, it's crazy. It's like sleeping next to a sauna has been turned on. It, women's thermostats make absolutely no sense whatsoever. I don't understand why you can't just be normal. But well, guess what you're getting ready for at some point in your life, Izzy, will be that exact same thing. I'm not ready. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's all the wonderful little things. We have earned it. Izzy, is, uh, Izzy I've never asked you this question. Do you drink alcohol? Do you not drink? Do you, are you a, like a Friday night martini guy? What, what are you alcohol-wise? Oh, I drink. I mean, like, if I had to go a, just a, like a choice, it'd be like Jack, you know, Jack Daniels. Oh, you're just more of a but, man than I am. <laughs> but beer, yeah, I, I just can't. I couldn't. Oh, there beer. it is. Because I, I offer Izzy every Friday morning, hey, do you want a beer? And he's always said no. Jeff Weir Production, supposedly coming in at six today. I didn't mean to say that. I was, I was on a roll. I've always <laughs> protected. I'm, I'm like, I consider myself a blue collar dude. I don't care that I, I don't even wear a collar at all. And I realize I just sit and talk and there's nothing blue collar about that. But because I'm not real life management, I've never looked at myself in any way as being something other than blue collar. So therefore, there's a code. There's a blue code. All right. You protect everybody else. So I didn't mean to say that it's 613 in the morning and and Jeff's not here yet. But Jeff, when you get here, there's a beer in the fridge. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Cheers. beer. Oh, yeah. Um, 
just a quick disclosure so everybody knows what's going on. I, 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 I want to be fair. When it comes to your restaurant dollars, when you're ready, when you're sitting there going, okay, where do I feel like going out? If you want breakfast, if you want lunch, or if you want kind of somebody to, to cater dinner or for you to pick up dinner to go, Burrito Express on the east side is unbelievably fantastic. And I truly believe it's the greatest breakfast burrito you will ever have anywhere. I just feel like they don't scrimp, okay? Like, no offense, Chipotle. And listen, Chipotle, if you want to advertise, go right ahead. We'd love to have you. I admit it. We'd love to have you. I'm not doing an endorsement for you, but I'll take your money. But Chipotle, it's very fresh, very good, but it's all rice. And then, oh, did you want some of this chicken we advertise like crazy? Like, they have their commercials, and they have all of this chicken and all of this carne asada. And they look at it and say, look look at all this stuff. Okay, will you actually put it on the burrito? No! <laughs> well, what does that do? Burrito Express, you actually get what you pay for. The things are huge. And that's why I love Burrito Express. Rosati's, but only the one at Ray and McQueen. It's a chain, so there's Rosati's all over the place. But only the one at Ray and McQueen is is a sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. And then there's, I can't gush enough about Bell's Nashville Kitchen if you don't know about it. And when I talk about it, it's crazy. All of the things they make are chef inspired. So whenever they want to change the menu, add things, they go with a chef to do that. And then all of the cooks are taught it's fresh or we don't serve it. And when I say it's fresh or we don't serve it, here's what I mean. They don't make coleslaw during the week, throw it in the fridge and let it sit for, you know, all, and, and, and that, listen, what do you do at your house? I would be fine with coleslaw that's three, four, five days old. They don't do that. They don't make coleslaw that morning and then have it sit there all day. When you order a sandwich, because in the South, we, I say we, I spent five years in the South. There's a lot of sandwiches and namely the National Hot Chicken Sandwich that comes with coleslaw on the sandwich. They make the coleslaw as they make the sandwich. I mean, it's, that's the freshest they do. That coleslaw that's on your sandwich, when it's served to you, is somewhere in the neighborhood of about two to three minutes old. That's how, that's how fresh the coleslaw is. So that's what they do. That's why I love Bell's National Kitchen so much. Now, why am I talking about this for this long? 100 Mile Brewing Company uh, they were sponsoring Beer Friday for a month. And then the owner, Sue, went through some issues, and she was so polite to me. And she said, I'm so sorry. I, I just want to take a second. Let me look things over for a little bit. And I wanted to say, you know, no problem, and we're fine. And CEO Chris has been so good to uh, to keep running the Beer Friday thing and, and show the little 100-mile brewing company. So on the one hand, I want you, I want to be blunt. That's why I have Kilt Lifter in front of me, because those are the cans that are easy for me to get at, at Costco. They're a, about a buck and a quarter a piece. So I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of expensive tasting beer that I don't have to spend a lot of money on. It doesn't change the fact that I personally believe a Mountain Amber Ale at 100 Mile Brewing Company is the best beer made in the state. I I totally believe that. I love it. But I want to be fair. I would I want you to spend your restaurant dollars at those places that I announced, but I still want you to know, man, those are really good people, a 100-mile brewing company, and that's why we just had the Beer Friday and, and their logo come up, and CEO Chris has been wonderfully patient with them, and I just wanted to give you that story of how do we balance that? I, you know, I really push you 
as you are the economic force of Doug Franz Unplugged. If you are not supporting our sponsors, there is no Doug Franz Unplugged. That's how this works. It's how it has to work. And um, I, I, this might sound offensive, but you're, I, I almost look at it as you're kind of mooching if you don't try. If you can't do it, gosh, I understand. Of course I do. But if you don't try to support the sponsors, you're mooching a free podcast if you're not sponsoring. Now, another way to help, though, is to become a, a member of actual WTSMTV.com, premier member, live member, basic member. But I do have to be honest, General Tom brought this to my attention. Izzy and Jeff are working as hard as they possibly can at getting Doug Franz unplugged up on the stream on demand as soon as possible. The catch is we moved without Internet. Yeah, we moved without it. So this new studio, it's really cool in here. It's a great move for the company. It will pay off for you as a viewer in the future. But we're not doing a great job of getting stuff up as soon as, you know, well, we, we're still doing it as soon as possible, but as soon as possible isn't as easy without Internet. And now looking back, my opinion, we probably shouldn't have moved until we had the Internet in here. The problem was, I think we all know this, Cox is no death. I probably shouldn't say this, but this life. Cox is no different in customer service for a co- consumer as they are business. I think everybody in this town knows when you want bad customer service, Cox is there for you. And it's just been a disaster of us trying to get internet here. So technically, we should have stayed at the other location until we got internet here. I think it was a mistake for us to move. But I'm not going to throw CEO Chris under the bus. You know why? He asked me, what did I think? And I said, we could suck it up. It's not going to be that bad. We'll suck it up and go without internet. (laughs) My bad. I changed my mind. Can we go back and pay rent somewhere else and get internet for a while? Uh, strike one for Big Doug on that one. That's why, listen, I did the same thing with Steve Kime. Like, um, I would torch Steve Kime and it would make Wolf so mad on the old show when he picked somebody that was different than the guy I said to pick and it didn't work out. But... When sometimes, like, remember Robert Kemdichi? I mean, everybody went ballistic on Robert Kemdichi. I thought that was the right pick. I did. I knew all the issues everybody else knew. I knew Robert Kemdichi took some plays off. I knew Robert Kemdichi had some strange issues. But I wouldn't have, as talented as he was, I thought he was the second most talented player in that draft. As talented as he was, I wouldn't have drafted him in the top five. Think about what I just said. I thought he was the second most talented player in that draft. I wouldn't have drafted him top five. I wouldn't have drafted him top 10. I wouldn't have drafted him top 15. Cardinals drafted him 23rd, 25th, 27th. It was somewhere in there. I think 23rd. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'll take that talent that late. I was dumb. That was dumb. It doesn't matter how late you draft a waste of talent. It does. Why, why does that matter? It's a wasted seventh round pick. Maybe not. That, that much talent, maybe you do draft him in the seventh round. But you get my point. You gamble because you know the headaches that he is, but you think, you know what? He's worth it at this spot. It's worth the gamble, and it didn't work. And then you look back and you say, man, I'd rather have that first round pick. So the reason why I bring up Robert Kemdichi is I didn't rip Steve Keim when he made picks I agree with, and it didn't work. I would still say hey, that didn't work. That was not a good pick, but I agreed with him. I just don't like, 
I don't want to talk about stuff in hindsight. You know, if I'm using hindsight, I want to tell you I didn't think that was the case. So I want to do my job as saying this is a mistake. Call somebody out for making the mistake. But at the same time, I want to um, be honest and not act like I knew that, you know, and, and give credit to uh, to where it's due. Um, speaking of giving credit to where it's due, uh, Steve McCollum is like two for two on really good son's opinions lately. He uh, he was the one that has been standing on the table for what he likes about uh, Bull Bull, and I've been kind of like, hey, it's just goofy. It's not going to last. And Bull Bull keeps doing things more and more, and he's a strong bench contributor. And then yesterday, uh, I did not – neither of us wanted Miles Bridges, but I was – totally confident as of 6 15 6 30 yesterday morning um well i was confident after that but i mean i think that's when i found out it's gonna happen okay miles bridges is coming and that was from a son's point of view and they didn't realize miles is gonna say no i'm not going anywhere and i'm like yeah yeah i think his sons did well i think his sons did really well we'll get into that in uh in just a second uh sound credits today uh, Wildcats uh, YouTube channel gave us Tommy Lloyd. The Suns PR department gave us a ton of stuff that we're going to use today. Coyotes PR gave us Andre Turney. I'm not talking Coyotes today because I have a rule. If you don't care, I don't care. And I realize when you say, Doug, it was 3-2. to What do you mean you, they didn't care? Did you see the first seven minutes of that game? I mean... I don't want to hear, well, we've been off for a long time. Totally asleep at the wheel. I mean, that's an amazing combination of bad coaching when it comes to preparation and bad professionalism of the guys not ready to go. It's true. Vegas had a tremendous advantage of playing two days ago and being more ready than the Coyotes. But lose the opening faceoff, give up a goal in like 14 seconds, Win the next face-off, turn over the puck, Vegas comes back down, scores again. In 77 seconds, the Coyotes had given up two goals. You're not, you're like, you're not even remotely playing hockey at, that, at, at a professional level when you throw that crap. So I'm not even talking Coyotes today. And we got some, uh, a little bit of 49ers, and hopefully we'll get some 49ers and Chiefs uh, later on in the show. Uh, that's it for... Um, sound credits. Uh, Izzy, did I miss anything? What are you doing this weekend? Izzy, do you have anything going on? Oh, no, nothing at all. I'm choosing that time to just chill out for the rest of the weekend. I am, this never happens to me. I'm exactly in your boat. I am a believer in working unbelievably hard. I work as hard as I can, but then I turn around and I either rest or play as hard as I can. I mean, I just, I, if I shut it down, it is totally shut down. And if I'm being active, man, I'm full bore in golf or whatever I'm doing. And it's too cold to golf. And I've got so many college baskets, there's so many good games that I either haven't watched yet this week or games that are on Saturday. And then watching the Phoenix Open, I'm not going, I'm watching it on TV. This is going to be one of those... I'm not getting up from the chair all weekend. So hopefully I'm well rested. And uh, and by the way, hopefully I can turn this well restedness into some good sales next week. If you're either a business owner or you know a business owner, Unplugged Army, see if you can help me out. Do you know how much money I have brought into WTSMTV.com as the play-by-play voice of the Rattlers? Exactly. And that means right now, Jeff Weir Production and Izzy are working for free. All right? Let's go. 
I'm the guy. I got to get this done. And I've done not, I've done a ton and had zero success so far. So I, I need to get some rest and then hit the ground running and get some Rattler sales. If you didn't know, we are the home of the Rattlers and the home of the Sugar Skulls. Complete pregame, halftime, postgame coverage. We've got it. We're jacked up to do. We'll be doing their home games. So please be a subscriber to WTSMTV.com and watch the Arizona Rattlers. Um, I think that's it. All right. I'm good. You good, Izzy? I'm good. All right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One is always my number one opinion. And I want to look you straight in the face and admit, on the one hand, I don't have a pre-prepared rant because of comeback player of the year. There has never been a time in my life I have cared about the comeback player of the year. And I don't want this rant to come off as fake and acting like right now I really care about the comeback player of the year. I don't. I don't care about the comeback player of the year. However, if you want to vote Joe Flacco the comeback player of the year with a first place vote, I don't I don't think you're very smart. But okay, fine. If Joe Flacco wins the comeback player of the year over Damar Hamlin, I don't quite understand. What did Joe Flacco come back from? Joe Flacco came back from not being good. Joe Flacco came back from other people not thinking he was good. Joe Flacco came back from normal, everyday American life. DeMar Hamlin became the first person that we know of to come back from the dead and play football. The man was dead. He was medically dead. Just, I'm not trying to be a jerk right now. I'm not trying to rub in painful memories of other people. But can we... Can we admit, the man was dead. He played in an NFL football game after being dead. What else do you need for comeback player of the year? And the people that didn't vote him in first place, all right, whatever. But here's where I just lose. I mean, I just totally lose my mind. I don't know. I don't even know who votes. I don't care. I know that there were eight voters, eight human beings on planet Earth who didn't even put Hamlin on the ballot. You were, you were able to vote for first, second, and third. He didn't, eight people said he doesn't even deserve to be voted on. It's almost, it's almost funny it's so ignorant. It's comeback player of the year. The guy's dead. I mean, what part of dead do people not understand? Eight people said, Good job dying. Good job coming back and playing. You're not comeback player of the year. What? What did you want to give it to the trainer? They don't play. I get there's all these other people involved. I get he really didn't do a ton in 2023. All right. There were games that he was inactive. I understand it wasn't the greatest performance in the history of comeback players of the year. But he played and he was dead. <laughs> I, do you think about the ACLs of the world? Good job coming back. Uh, 
Think about the guy. Like if Zach Wilson next year throws for 4,000 yards and gets an MVP vote or two, that's a comeback player of the year because he he's terrible. His own owner, if you didn't see a Woody Johnson, the Jets owner said one of the biggest problems with the Jets last year is they didn't have a backup quarterback. Actually, you did. But he said they didn't. The owner said that. All right. You come. Those are things you come back from. No one's come back from being dead. Damar Hamlin did. And eight people say, I don't care. He's not comeback player of the year. What? Listen, I, I have a general rule with people like this. To the eight human beings that I imagine might be wonderful Americans in the rest of their life, please do not vote or reproduce. We have enough of you. And we don't need you putting anybody in power to think like you. So just do us a favor. The last vote you've ever done in your life is for comeback player of the year. We will forgive all eight of you for not voting for DeMar Hamlin at all. I don't even understand why you'd not vote DeMar Hamlin first place. But you know what? If somebody says, hey, Joe Flacco got his team to the playoffs and DeMar Hamlin didn't even wasn't even active in every game, so I'm putting him at number two. Gosh, I'll get over it. Okay. DeMar Hamlin had more first place votes than Joe Flacco, but Flacco had more second place votes, and that put him over the top. So people that did not vote Hamlin one didn't even vote him two, and eight people didn't even vote him third place. I just, like, you can tell the rant is over. Like, a good talk show host would have shut up about three minutes ago. I just keep rambling because it's just so flabbergasting. The guy's dead. Can I have I said that enough? Can I play devil's advocate? Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> oh, now this is fantastic, Izzy. When I go on a roll like this, and you're trying to say, "Oh no, being dead isn't that bad." Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm interested. Give me the other point of view. Well, honestly, and I was on this train too. I was like, I really don't think Demar Hamlin should have won this thing. Oh my gosh, I would have given it to somebody like a ba- Baker Mayfield or a Joe Flacco, and that's mainly because. It, I really wanted to know was DeMar because we didn't I didn't know too much about him until you know unfortunately what happened on right, the field right. so it's just like I don't know how valuable he was to the Buffalo Bills and would he even be on the team right. you know this year right. if he was even if all this would have happened so and then everything that happened in the, in the off season right. him at the ESPYs you know him and the, the charity the amazing work that the yep. Buffalo Bills organization did as well and the fans I, I think that was just enough. Like, I think I think that was just about enough. Here's here's where I think you're crazy, and <laughs> and now you put me in a terrible spot because see here's I just want to make sure that everybody understands. I said the people that actually had a vote should not vote or reproduce anymore, <laughs> and I'll be the first one to say if there's two people in the world that we need more of, it's my oldest daughter. I mean, I love my youngest kid too, but the oldest daughter is just the most unbelievable human being you've ever met, and Izzy's pretty close. I mean, Izzy is a <laughs> great human being so i'm all for your reproduction at, at some point but appreciate it I, I just appreciate the fact that you're you aren't one of the eight people that voted because you would tell me this just make sure and even if you're gonna lie to me i might need it would you have at least voted hamlin third place can i get a third place vote out of you oh he would have got at least a second place okay vote there yeah. we go definitely would have got a second place i at least feel better about that i i i don't understand not voting because here i can't get over one point and i might not have done a good job saying it 
he was dead. <laughs> so you are right. There's a there might even be a sympathy vote going on in this from from the Bills GM. I mean, the Bills GM might have said we're not cutting that guy, and who knows if he would have been totally healthy throughout 2022. This never happens. Maybe he doesn't even make the 2023 team, but his inspirational story is so good for the bills that alone is a good reason to make him one of the 53 and then that might be why sometimes he wasn't active i just look at it as i have a general rule in life that i didn't know i had when you die and then play in a football game after you die you are my comeback player of the week the month the year and and until you win it you're always the comeback guy of the year that just rule so yes joe flacco has a great conversational argument of look at how bad Browns quarterbacks are since the beginning of time and he took a Browns team that competed for first place that is phenomenal and Flacco I don't I don't really like the fact that he got it over Demar Hamlin but I I can accept people looking at Joe Flacco I just look at those eight guys and say, you didn't even vote for Hamlin at all. He wasn't your first, second, or third. So I can accept your devil's advocate because you are not so low advocating that DeMar Hamlin doesn't even belong on the ballot. Oh, no, I wouldn't go that far. I just think it would be also awful if he does win Comeback Player of the Year. The Buffalo Bills go, oh, man, great job. Thanks for the promo. And then he's a free agent. You know You know what's funny? I'm okay with that. Really? I, I am. And here's why. Like, How many times have you seen a manager win Manager of the Year and then a year and a half later they're fired? The di- yeah. And I'm kind of <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? You probably deserve to get fired. A lot of times your team really did go in the tank. Or you didn't raise the expectations with them. I don't think it's the Bills' job to reward you with a spot because you're comeback player of the year. Because now I look at it as now you're healthy. You've already had the comeback. You're healthy. Now you've got to make the team. I think, listen, we're not running a charity here. People shouldn't make the team because you want to hug it out with them. But I do think unless DeMar Hamlin is having trouble walking, you put him on the 2022 team. Because if it's even remotely close, I am cutting player number 53 on my roster if DeMar Hamlin can put his helmet on. Because the inspiration of him in the locker room, of him being there every day, and I know how hard he's going to work, I want that with all the other guys. But now if I'm the Bills, now that I've had that for a year, I don't care what award you won for 2023. Now 2024, it's about you making the team. But if I cut him, I offer him a position in the organization. I cut him and then I put him like there's there's like NFL alumni positions. Most teams have one guy that's kind of in charge of alumni relations, making sure alumni come to a golf tournament, making sure alumni feel connected to the team, making sure alumni help the team make money for different banquets and stuff like that. I would make sure DeMar Hamlin is either my number one guy or guess what? I now have an assistant to the president and that's DeMar Hamlin. I would definitely hire him unless he wants to go work for somebody else. Okay, knock yourself out. But I'm with you on how close he is to getting cut, but I have no problem cutting him after he wins comeback player of the year because he made the team based on who he was already. I would say I've done my duty as an owner slash general manager.
I do like that part. I do like you know whether if it's, if it's like you know what at the end of this all this whole thing, if you're not on the team, where you're welcome to the staff. Yeah, that I'm 100 percent sold on. Yeah, and now he's got most importantly, a lot of people don't realize this because we all look at these guys as millionaires and we think you've got plenty, you know, whatever. What these guys want, healthcare. Okay, it's it, you have a catastrophic injury, you you could wipe out your savings, stuff like that. These guys want health care, and you know who's brilliant at this? Total seriousness, Derek Hall of the Diamondbacks. There are so many assistants to the president, and it's Gonzo, Randy Johnson, former D, Orlando Hudson, former D-backs, and what's their real job? Their real job. This sounds hilarious. Is to be loved. It's if Gonzo is one of the greatest human beings you'll ever meet. He's a great, great dude. I will never forget. This is one of the things I'm still bitter about, and I'll always be bitter about with the old show. Is Yoda, the producer, or the old producer, invented an unbelievable event called the Twelve Days of Fushaw, and it was our Christmas celebration. And we would seriously pack. I think sometimes we had 600 people at an end of the year, almost just banquet. And so these restaurants would get all crazy. They had no idea that there was a radio show that could put 600 people in a restaurant at 545 in the morning. (laughs) And it was awesome. And we did it all the time. And the station changed their mind because they felt like, well, it's really hard to go get prizes for people. You've got 12 months to ask a couple businesses, can we have this, can we have this, can we have this? You had 12 months, and you're acting like it's hard to get, which to me was a bold-faced lie. I believe there were people that egos were hurt because Wolf was so popular, and the show was so popular, and we have all of these people at an event, and they didn't want to do it anymore, okay? So that's how awesome the 12 days of Fushaw had become. And with that... I, I look at that and say, okay, that's the excitement of, of where you can pull things off. And I admit, I totally blanked on why I even brought up 12 Days of Fushal. So you can see it. It really sticks in my crawl. I had a great point of why I brought it up. Is it healthcare? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Man, you saved me. Uh, so what happened was one year when we had our big Christmas celebration, I don't know why. She's such a darling. My oldest... Uh, the tw- how old is she? I don't even know how old she is now. Twenty four. Uh, the twenty four year old was probably nine, maybe eleven, and she wanted to go because she was on her Christmas break. She actually wanted to wake up and come to, to work with Daddy. Okay, so we're at this restaurant. Gonzo shows up. He's supposed to be on air with us at seven thirty. Typical Gonzo. He shows up at seven. And we had this little area just off the stage that we pretended was the green room, even though it's right in front of everybody. Gonzo sat there with my daughter and they talked for 30 minutes. Then he comes on air at 730. And then Matt Williams had stopped by and some and some and uh, I think Pat P came. I can't remember. But we had so many people that were sitting in the green room. And then Gonzo goes back into this little. And when I say green room, I mean, it's a couple couches and a couple chairs next to the stage. And guys would come up to the rope and ask for an autograph. And, and all the guys were so cool. They'd get up, give an autograph and sit back down. Well, suddenly Gonzo is now introducing Vienna to every other local sports celebrity that's coming into the green room. And Vienna's just sitting by Gonzo having a conversation. Gonzo, again, 10 minutes at 7.30 was his, was his interview time. And he's at 7.30 to 7.40. He gets there at 7, doesn't leave until 9.30, and barely stops talking to my daughter the whole time. 
that's that's who Gonzo is. So when I say the brilliance of Derek Hall as a president and CEO is the way he treats players so they understand if they give all to the Arizona Diamondbacks, they'll always have a home with the Diamondbacks to come back and represent them at different events and this was in a sense at the time Doug and Wolf it was it was popular enough to call the show an event Wolf is kind, Wolf is kind of an event an event to himself and, and I was just along for the ride but you get the point of how great of a dude Gonzo is and you would lose that if you don't bring people back into the fold so that's what I would do if I'm the Bills I have no problem cutting DeMar Hamlin but I would say you're our guy for life I mean what do you want you've got a job with us to represent the Buffalo Bills and and then I don't feel bad about saying but you're not going to run down on special teams anymore it's a it's a fair way to go uh go about that so I am not fired up at your devil's advocate I thought we were going to go I thought <laughs> I, I thought this is going to be like a legendary battle after I said don't vote or reproduce but you know you're still in DeMar Hamlin's camp you're just building some tents for other people too is all yeah and I wouldn't I just wouldn't give them that number one spot that's all it okay is. I feel better about that I still think you're wrong but I don't think you're nuts that's the difference well I don't, I don't want to pretty much steer you too far away because you talk about health care just real quick Tony yeah. Snell that situation do you really think would you would have signed him last Saturday last Friday um I don't know that's a good question yeah, I was like, I didn't mean to just like, steer you totally off the no, road. No, I'm like, glad it's it's a it's a good question. Um, I don't think so. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm. That sounds hypocritical, though. I have to do more. Tell me more about what why why. Obviously, you would. So tell me why. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't think I would have. Oh, okay. I don't think. I don't think I would have. Well, then you were shocked that I was drawing a line. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't think I would have signed him. To be yes, honest. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I would have either. Um, not even remotely the same. But since you said sign him, it just made me think of it. Can I just say thank you to the Suns? for not trading for Miles Bridges or trying to talk him into it. I, I realize Miles said, I ain't going anywhere, fine. Now, Miles gets an incredible advantage by not coming. If you don't know the Miles Bridges situation, um, every human being on our planet is in his, well, not if you live in Russia, but every American is innocent until they're proven guilty, so remember that. Innocent until pro- proven guilty. Do I think he's guilty? Yes, I do. I don't see how a woman makes up the accusations that Miles Bridges has been accused of doing. I don't want Miles Bridges anywhere near the Phoenix Suns. I don't want him in our community right now. And and I'm glad he's not there, and I'm glad the Suns didn't push for it. Maybe they could have offered him something. Maybe they could have done something to talk him into it. But he has a no-trade clause and blocked the, the Hornets from moving him. And it is to his financial advantage because there's a thing called bird rights. The league changed the rules in the 80s in order to allow the Celtics to stay under the cap but sign Larry Bird to more money. That way, if you play three years of basketball with either the same team or you were only traded once or you were, no, you were never traded in that time, then you've earned the right for partial parts of your salary to count against the cap, but not the entire raise that you're about to get. So it allows you to get more money, but for the cap implications to remain relatively the same. 
If Miles Bridges is not traded, he has bird rights next year. And that's why you've heard of a thing called a sign and trade. The way a sign and trade works, it's, hey, player, you're going to make more money if you sign with your local team, with the team you're on now, than you will somewhere else, especially if you have bird rights. If you sign a free agent deal with another team, like remember DeAndre Ayton, okay? That was a restricted free agency, but it's a little different. But you can sign a contract with somebody, and then you get less money. However, you can sign with your own team, and then they can trade the contract. So your, your own team isn't like, boy, we're glad to get rid of you. They're just thinking, we know we're going to lose you so, no matter what. So how about we help you make more money by, by signing you first, and at least we get something before you go away. And that's what a sign-and-trade deal is. Now Miles Bridges either re-signs with the Hornets – and stays or re-signs with the Hornets and gets traded somewhere else, but he gets more money. If he would have accepted a trade to the Suns, he'll get less money. That's another reason why I don't want Miles Bridges. Every man has the right to make as much money as they possibly can. Think about that. I don't care whether we're talking about sports or life. Miles Bridges wants to make more money, more power to you. However, and this is the way I look at things, would you rather win a championship and lose $20 million in winning a championship. Now, at first you're saying, well, heck, I don't want to lose $20 million. But what if the difference is between 60 and $80 million? What if the difference is you come to the Suns, win the championship, sign somewhere else for $60 million? Never win a championship, stay where you are, and sign for $80 million. See what I mean when I say 20? I mean, I don't know about you. I want to win. So to me... Here is what Miles Bridges said. I want my bird rights so I can win 15, 20 games this year. I don't want to go compete for a championship because then I will lose a little bit of money. To me, I'm kind of $20 million. That's a little bit of money when we're starting at a base of 60, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Some people say, no, it's $20 million. Like, listen, wait, championship and $60 million or playing for Charlotte and $80 million. To me, that's a no-brainer. I'm going to the Suns. To Miles Bridges, it's a no-brainer. I want my money. And guess what that means to me? I don't want Miles Bridges. <laughs> I get a guy with baggage who allegedly is a wife beater, who wants the money over championships. Royce O'Neal! <laughs> okay, I'm totally with him. Uh, by the way, today's Doug's Big One is the longest Doug's Big One I've ever had in the history of Doug Franz Unplugged. It's 647, and I have not brought any real content to the show yet. I'm great at my job. Hopefully, you don't take it. Coming up next... Let's dive into the Suns. All right, we got we got something that happened yesterday that you kind of got to get jacked up about. They looked great, and they're still not whole. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? 
The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Okay, I learned something. Bad move. Pounded the remainder of the beer. I got a trash can right here. I reached over and threw it. And a little bit of it kind of splashed. So, (laughs) I don't know what anybody's going to think. Why is the carpet around Doug's desk smell like beer and Steve and Izzy's desk? They're fine. Don't know. I don't know how that happens. Um, I sound like I'm drunk on a beer. Gotcha. There's two things I got to say before I go sons. Number one, do you realize there was a survey? I just found this out yesterday. There was a survey. NFLPA promoted it like crazy. He said 92% of all players prefer grass. Okay. So 8% of the players don't prefer grass. Okay. So the owners were like, see, see, and um, Roger Goodell specifically said at the beginning of the season, many players prefer turf. Okay. The NFLPA to counter that listed the other 8%. Out of the 8% of the people that don't prefer grass, 6% of them don't care. 6% just don't care. I don't care whether it's turf or grass. So 6% don't care. So out of the 8% of the people that don't prefer grass, 6% don't care. The other 2% kickers. That's it. The only people that prefer turf over grass, the 2% that prefer turf, they're all kickers. Roger Goodell is so slimy. He is so slimy. He says, I, I've talked to many players that prefer turf. Oh, okay. They're all kickers. What? This guy is getting over hand over fist on America. He, he's a, now, he's a smart dude. This isn't like he's not an idiot fooling everybody. It's more of the it's more of Lex Luthor. You know, it's more of the brilliant, brilliant crook is is who he is. It's just it's just oh, I've talked to players who prefer turf. How many of them have made a tackle, Commissioner? How many of them have caught a pass? Oh, they've had a fake field goal once. Oh, thank you. 
The other thing real quick, I told you I got two things, is uh, don't forget UnpluggedAtWhirlwind.com is live. UnpluggedAtWhirlwind.com. If you go to UnpluggedAtWhirlwind.com, up at the top, oh, man, that was like lightning, is he? Up at the top, you'll see four tabs. Click the event tab. If you click on sign up today, as soon as you get there, you're actually going to end up learning about Whirlwind Plus, which is fine. I want you to be a Whirlwind Plus member. But click on events to find out about the Unplugged Army event on February 23rd. If you're impressed with it, and I, I know I am, uh, it's, it's, it, make sure you listen to me here. Don't have sticker shock. It's $260 to play golf if you do it before noon, okay? So if you say, you know, on February 23rd, hey, I want to go out and play. I'm going to play at 10 in the morning. That's $260. You play with us. It's 109. I'm not acting like $109 is cheap, okay? In the grand scheme of the world, $109 is not cheap. But in the grand scheme of golf in February in Phoenix, Arizona, $109 is only expensive for a ratty, like there's good municipal courses in our state, but a ratty, ugly muni with terrible service, okay? That's the only place $100 is expensive. $109 for a course as legendary as, as Wild Horse, as Whirlwind? Holy crap. It's 60% off. So all those times your wife says, I bought this. Uh, you know, I know we, we might not need it, but it was on sale. Golf is on sale. Have your wife beat 60% off on whatever she buys. I'm sure that's sexist somewhere by, by making it you versus your wife and buying things. But, hey, tell your wife if she golfs. Hey, it's a sale. They're having a sale. It's a sale at pennies. You know, you can get there at Whirlwind. Uh, I got to ask Izzy, when I, I'm scared to death of this answer. When I drop, there's a sale at pennies. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? My mind goes straight to a JC Penny. No, no. Well, Okay, okay. It hurts, but okay. <laughs> there is the, the, the funniest movie in the history of mankind. It's, it, 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 there's no, the funniest movie in the history of mankind is Harlem Nights. Do not watch it if your children are around. Got you. <laughs> the second funniest movie in the history of mankind is Airplane. And in Airplane, there's this crazy nut job guy named Johnny. So all the airplane's going to crash. All of these people are reading a newspaper and they're reading the headlines about how scary the situation is. And then they give the newspaper to Johnny and Johnny doesn't see any of the airplane stuff, even though he works at the airport. And then he yells, there's a sale at Penny's. And he's very excited about a sale coming up. So that, that was, it, was a, it was an 80s movie reference, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 13 years before you were born. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm absolutely the worst at movies, so I'm, I'm going to fail okay. you every time. However, I did force my children into watching every movie I used to like to make sure that they know all of my references, because then I couldn't communicate with them. If I can't communicate you through 80s movies, I, we don't have anything to talk about. Do they like them? Oh, yeah, they love them. Okay. They do. <laughs> um, they absolutely do. There, what was hilarious is there was a family email chain that went around about two weeks ago, and both of my daughters made out, outstanding airplane references. So, I mean, I can't imagine the guy sit, standing next to me or, or driving next to me in a car. When I, I'm seriously, it's so funny when you hear Siri making airplane references, because I don't touch my phone while I'm driving, but I do yell, hey, Siri, will you... Uh, Read new messages. Oh, shoot. 
Uh oh. She gonna say something. You'll need to unlock your iPhone first. Okay, that's okay. Here's a rant. This is something I don't understand. I'm driving. I hear my phone go off. So I say, Siri, read new messages. I'm driving, and then she says, you'll have to open, unlock your iPhone first. Apple, why did you make that change? That is the dumbest change ever. The whole point is not having to touch my phone. Why do I have to unlock my phone? Just to get my messages when you know I'm driving. You're, you're pinging every tower. You're paying attention to my every move. Apple, you know where I live. You know I'm driving. Why do I have to unlock my phone to get messages while I'm driving? When is there ever going to be a bad guy that kidnaps me, puts me in the passenger seat, holds a gun to my head while we're driving, and then says, check your messages? And I want to go, no, I'm not going to unlock my phone. It's just stupid. It's like ever since Steve died, not that Steve and I were close, but ever since Steve died, Apple, you just got a lot of people that don't have a life. They don't like actually live and use their phone in normal circumstances. That does not make sense. Unlock my phone before I check my messages while driving. The point is not to touch my phone. Thank you. But anyway, all I just start laughing hysterically at Siri reading my my text from my kids in which she's trying to figure out airplane references. Siri making airplane references while driving is absolutely entertaining. And don't, Siri, have you ever seen Airplane, the movie? Uh, she's thinking about it. Boy, Apple sucks all of a sudden. All right, let's get to real content. Oh, my bad. My bad. I was also going to say, can you, oh. you can you also imagine like a 17-year-old with your type of phone and their child walking up to like like their parents? Oh, yeah. You know, hey, Siri, you know, read new messages. Yes. That kid's going to die. Like, you know, it's like this. He's not going to survive. <laughs> that would be a mess. That would be an absolute mess. I, I just, I totally believe these people, they live in a high-rise condo in San Francisco. They ride a bike to work and then they talk for a couple hours and then they go well it's time for a zoom call let's work from home and they go home it's not the steve jobs uh way anymore all right time to go to work let's do something sons of winter last night 129 115 they were absolutely fantastic and uh, before i dive fully into uh everything sons let's talk about the trade first so if you could izzy let's go with um vogel two uh i think i want vogel two and vogel four first so let's start with vogel two sons trade for royce o'neill and david roddy and they give up basically their whole bench they give up kieta bates diop they give up jordan goodwin they give up three future second round picks they give up yuda they give up mezzi and they give up a first round pick swap with memphis coming up in 2026 i don't know uh if you if you know uh, pick swaps are a little strange izzy do you know the long story behind pick swaps I don't know. Okay, this is kind of funny. There used to be an owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the 80s who was a downright idiot. 
and he would trade his first round picks all the time. And the Cavaliers seriously until drafting Mark Price and Brad Doherty. The Cavs were actually a good team in the uh, early 90s. They just didn't get there until by the time Michael Jordan was great. So it's like, well, it doesn't matter that you're good Cavs because Jordan's your rival. But the Cavs were just atrocious and they could never get out from their owner because he traded all their first round picks. So the NBA actually made a rule that you can't trade first round picks in back to back years. The NBA makes you keep a first round pick. So you can only trade a first round pick every other year. So even if I trade a first round pick to the Brooklyn Nets for 2025, I can't take a different one and trade it to the Pistons in 2026. I have to keep my 2026 one. Well, somebody, and I admit, I don't remember who it was, came up with the idea, okay, I know you can't trade that first round pick because you don't have one the the next year however how about we agree that we switch so if i have a worse year than you i'm just going to draft where i'm where i'm at but if you're worse than me and your first round pick is better you trade me the option of changing places that way you still get a first round pick so technically you haven't broken the rules but i still get a better draft pick than i would have and whoever it was the first time said yeah that's a good idea so that's what the, that's what they're doing they're saying we can't even trade you first round picks because it's against the rules but we'll go ahead and trade you positions so now the grizzlies are either worse than the suns in 2026 and they just draft where they're supposed to or if the suns totally fall on their face now memphis could have a good year and then say and oh by the way we'll pick where you're picking so that's that's the story of pick swaps. Is that something similar to like the the stifen rule? A little bit, yeah, yeah, not quite. But the uh, the difference here, the the stipend rule, that's a more new rule. I think you're referring to, and correct me if I'm wrong. The oh yeah. Uh, I already had my first beer, but I would love the water. Thank you, Jeff Weir Production. Jeff Weir Production is here. It's a beer Friday for Jeff Weir Production. He did, but I've already drunk mine. So here, cheers. There you go. Well, that's yours. Yes, absolutely. I'm so proud of Jeff for production. It's 7.02 in the morning. He could have easily said, listen, it's part of the gig. It's part of the show. I'll have my beer at six. Oh, I was, I was, I was busy working. I, I don't have a chance to get a beer with you. He still grabbed his beer and he's drinking it. Yeah. Now, if you don't know Jeff for production, he'll drink about half of it and he won't be able to get all the way through. But um, are you referring to the collection of salaries that affect the 2024 cap? Is that what you're talking about, Izzy? Yes. Yes. But... That's I, believe a, it, I believe it also relates to draft picks as well. Like you also have, uh, you can't trade away like pretty much 90% of your draft picks. Yes. You have to at least keep one. Yes. And that also, the way it works is if you are at a second, second apron, you can no longer trade um, first round picks. You have to keep your first round pick. It's kind of a way to force you to draft somebody and lower and lower your um uh, salary cap hits. Got you. And that's what that is. And yes, the Suns will be over the second apron. Uh, and that's that kind of feeds into how great of a job Matt Ishby is doing. This trade, I want to be careful when I gush about this trade because it's really important to follow this. This isn't the type of trade that dramatically guarantees the Suns are the best team in the West. The Suns did not go from five seed to a team now that's going to smash Denver. Denver did nothing and they're still the best team in the West. So, I don't want to oversell this, 
But it was a fantastic trade. The Suns are a better team today than they were. They basically took, and I'm I'm sorry to be a jerk, but all of their minimum wage guys who did half of what they were supposed to do. I don't know what happened to Yuta. Yuta hit about 43% of his threes last year. And he's a try-hard defender, but not a good one. But he at least tries hard. This year, his try-hard defense was the worst it's ever been, and he shot terrible. He was absolutely pointless. And the other guys didn't play the defense they were supposed to. It was almost like all the guys were starstruck. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Yuta and, 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 and Bates-Giop and Mezzi, they're good basketball players. And Jonathan Goodwin, or excuse me, Jordan Goodwin has a chance to be kind, not special, but, but an 11-year pro. I mean, the, these are decent basketball players. And there's no other way to put it. They stunk. I mean, that's just, you got to just be blunt. They stunk with the Suns, and they don't stink as players. And the only way I can think of, maybe it was coaching. Maybe the guys were just so nervous to actually play in a pressure situation, and maybe they're good when they're playing for a bottom feeder when there's no pressure, and they couldn't. I don't know what it was, but they stunk. And what the Suns have done, they had the maximum number of players. They had 15 players on their roster. When you have 15 players on the roster, you can't add anybody. What they did by trading away just about every minimum wage player they had, they ended up with only 13 players. Why does that matter? Because now what happens in the next week is the buyout market. Teams don't want to pay the full luxury tax on different salaries. So what they want to do is they want to come to a deal with you. Let's say you've got two years left on your contract for $40 million. You've got two years, $40 million. That team owes you that. Well, if you're the player, even if they don't want you, you want your money. But you'd probably like to play and win and go somewhere else. The team doesn't want to pay you the full $40 million. So you come to an agreement. And some players want out so bad, they'll just say, hey, give me $10 million up front and I'm out the door. I'll lose $30 million just to have $10 million right now and go somewhere else. Other guys kind of play hardball and say, no, I want to keep as much money as I possibly can. And then it becomes fine. We'll just give you $35 million to go away. But we're going to pay you the same amount every month that we would have had to anyway. And that way, hey, they at least save $5 million on the back end. Okay, that's fair. Now you're a free agent. You go wherever you want. You negotiate the buyout. If the Suns would not have made this deal, they can't get anybody in the buyout market. So you have to look at this trade as if it's not done. That's what's so fantastic about it. They traded away a bunch of pieces that didn't do a good job. They picked up Royce O'Neal, who is already vouched for by KD. There were teammates in Brooklyn. KD loves the guy. He is a good defender, two through five. Can't really guard a point guard, but I mean, it's not like he can't. It's just not a specialty of his. And he's a decent passer, and he shoots almost 40% from three. So he's a true bench three and D guy. And with the way Kevin Durant is playing so brilliantly defensively, this is perfect. And I really want to stress the deal isn't done. Even though that trade is over, what it's done by freeing up two spots for the buyout market, you've got to remember, if they sign a good player who gets bought out, that's part of this trade. It would not have happened without the Royce O'Neal trade. That's why you can understand I'm, I'm trying not to gush and jump up and down. 
This is not the best team in the West. They're not a championship team yet. Maybe they can develop that in the next few uh, weeks. Maybe they can pull off a Diamondbacks-like run from a lower spot in the conference. But they're a much better team today than they were yesterday. And there's more coming. So that's why I don't want to oversell it and I want to gush at the same time if there's a way to do that. Here is Frank Vogel, who uh, in Vogel number two, Izzy, was really good at saying, before I get rolling and talking about this trade, let me compliment the guys that we've lost. Yeah, well, I want to start by just, just thanking uh, Chemezi, Keita, Yuta, and Goody. Uh, those guys have been really good culture fits for us. It's, uh, it's always difficult uh, you know, to say goodbye to uh, you know, good, good guys and culture guys, teammates for these guys. Um, those guys put in a, a lot of hard work. They're a big reason why we're where we are today and, and the success we've been having. And um, we definitely wish them well. Uh, but we're really excited about the guys we have coming in. You know, uh, Royce O'Neal and David Roddy, two guys that we, we really feel like are going are gonna to help us. Um, I love that Matt Ishpia is willing to, to spend even more and do whatever it takes to uh, to give us the best chance to win an NBA championship for this city. You know, I mean, he's just all in on that. Um, you know, this was a deal that, that, that cost us more money, but it's something that, uh, you know, in particular with, with Royce O'Neal, who's, who's a, a high-level role player, has been a starter for the better part of the last uh, five years or so, and um, on, some, on some good teams too, some really good teams. Number one seed team in, in Utah a few years back. Um, just an exceptional defender, exceptional uh, three-point shooter, and a winner. You know, and uh, to get somebody like David Roddy, who is, you know, just elevates our toughness and intelligence. He's a smart player and, and very physical, uh, represents who we want to be, and was a first-round pick two years ago. You know, so, I mean, he's a, he's a really, really talented young man that uh, we're excited to get in our program. O'Neal is 6'4", 226, averaging 6.5 points and 2.5 assists a game. And specific, I said 40. He specifically shoots 38% from three. So I like that. When he mentioned Matt Ishbia, I hope you're okay if, you're, if you allow me to have ranges. Okay, I'm not, I'm not 100% right on this, but I'm close. But the way the salary cap works in the NFL, the NFL, you have a salary cap. And the salary cap starts on what's called the first day of the league year. That's a hard cap in the NFL. You get fined a million dollars a day every day you're over the cap. You can't go over the cap. Now, there's ways that they finagle the cap. Signing bonuses can be spread out across your entire length of the contract. So if you sign a five-year deal with a $100 million signing bonus, guess what happens? That 100, and I'm just making up numbers here, but it's a five-year deal, $100 million signing bonus. The way that would work is you're allowed to give the guy $100 million. But your salary cap, you only take $20 million hits every year. That's why when you've heard the phrase cap hit, when you cut somebody, because that means there's still dollars on the signing bonus that haven't been accounted for. Now everything comes calling on top of you whenever you cut somebody that has a, a, a signing bonus that you've already paid. Hopefully I did a good job of explaining that. So if, you, if a guy agrees to a one-year $20 million contract in the NFL, all 20 million comes off your salary cap that year 
If you sign a guy to a two-year $20 million contract, it's 10 the first year, 10 the second year. However, if you cut him after year one, you don't owe anything in year two because that was salary. And salary, you don't owe him. If you don't have to pay him the salary, you don't owe it on the salary cap either. However, that same $20 million over two years... If you sign the guy to a $1 million contract in year one, a $1 million contract in year two, and give him an $18 million signing bonus, right? Now you understand, he's still got $20 million over two years. It's still the same thing. But instead of 10 and 10, it's one and one plus an $18 million signing bonus. Now guess what happens? You have 19 million, you have, uh, let me do the math. You have 10 million in year one, same thing, because you cut the signing bonus in half. $9 million signing bonus, $1 million salary, so it's $10 million in year one. But now you cut him. Well, you've already given him $9 million of salary, or excuse me, of signing bonus without charging your salary cap. Now you've cut him and you owe the salary cap $9 million. So that's your dead cap money. You got $9 million of dead cap space going to a player that's not playing for you. That's the NFL salary cap. NBA is not even remotely the same thing. You can go over the cap. And when you go over the cap, I think it's 50 cents. For every $1 you're, you're over the cap, you owe the league 50 cents. So you're not even paying any player with it. So the Suns are $21.5 million now over the salary cap. So therefore, they owe like 50 cents. However, they're over the second apron. So they owe more money in taxes and because they're over for back-to-back years i think it bumps up to something like one like 135 like it sounds dumb but for every dollar they're over the cap they owe like a dollar 35 to the league so matt ishbia has a 50 million dollar tax bill i mean imagine how funny that is compared to robert sarver he owes nobody 50 million dollars he's got to pay the league that money and then the league takes it and they take every owner's contributions to the taxes, and all of that goes to the players. So at the end of the year, the player might get it. This sounds funny. Every player might get a check for like $10,000 out of nowhere. Like, what is this? Well, that's all of the salary cap taxes that have been paid to the union divided amongst every single player. And the players get a little extra bonus. That's how they keep the revenues the same. So Matt Ishbia, at the end of the year, owes $50 million to the league for no one. No one. Because he's that over the tax. He wants to win that bad. Uh, give me Vogel 4, if you would, Izzy. This is uh, Frank Vogel talking about the players like a bowl bowl who have not been shipped out and what their roles are going to be going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that can be, you know, the case league-wide, you know, in, as a general statement. But, you know, I think Drew and Josh and Bowl have been playing exceptional for us. Nas has been doing a great job staying ready. And all four of those guys came in and really elevated uh, our production out there. You know, they, they had a great great game for our bench guys. And uh, kudos to those guys. I don't think that was because of the, the, the trade deadline. That's just – that's why they're here. And uh, the big one for me is Grayson Allen. If you would have asked me in August, what do I think of Grayson Allen? I would have said, jerk, going to be a chemistry problem. Can't wait until the trade deadline because they'll get rid of him. 
That's that's exactly what I would have said. I would have been wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> the guy has been an outstanding teammate. He's a good dude. And there's no way in heck I'm trading that guy. No way with the way Grayson Allen has contributed to winning this year. Um, okay, let's get to now go in order of Frank Vogel, if you would, Izzy. We'll go one, three, five, and six. Here is Frank Vogel talking about the gelling of the team, especially when you consider with a hip issue, there's no Booker. Beal was uh, a game-time decision. He was fantastic. You've got both KD and Beal going for 30 and 8 assists at least, and you've got Grayson Allen with 14 assists. The ball movement coach was unbelievable. I think they've been trying to do it all along. You know what I mean? But they have to learn each other. You know what I mean? They have to learn the spots and uh, how to attack and, um, you know, attack, draw two to the basketball and then trust your teammates. It's a simple philosophy, but our guys are doing it at a high, high level right now. The reason why he says, hey, they had to learn each other is it's kind of like, why aren't you having this all the time? But lately... Last couple games, they've been over 25 assists each game. Today's assist-to-turnover ratio, let me cheat and see what it was, uh, 37 to 12. That, I mean, that's crazy. I, I've kind of given you these numbers before. You want your NBA point guard to have a 3-to-1 ratio. An NBA point, a high school point guard, you'd like to see two to one. A college point guard, you'd like to see two and a half to one. And an NBA point guard, you want three assists for every turnover. Okay, that's high level NBA point guard. Now you ready for this? The Suns as a team did it yesterday. Thirty-seven to twelve is a hair over a three to one assist to turnover ratio as a team. You can't beat people that are doing that. The only way you're going to win a game like that with a three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio against you is if either, A, the officials help you or you're really attacking the hole and earning fouls. Only trips to the free-throw line are going to beat that number. That is a phenomenal team number. Now, here's what's crazy. It almost happened. Utah went 21 of 31 from the free-throw line. The Suns went 11 of 16. So, they almost doubled the Suns in free-throw attempts, and luckily they didn't make them as much. But the Suns were just so much more efficient than Utah that Utah couldn't get enough field goals to be able to uh, to win it. Uh, here is um, Coach looking at it. It's kind of funny. Without Book, he joked with Grayson Allen pregame, never realizing Gray would go for 14 assists. His career high was 10. I told him pregame that he's going to play a little point guard tonight, and you know he wanted to show the world that he can be Steve Nash. I think and the way he played, it seemed like it anyway. Listen, Grayson Allen, I don't know if I've ever been more wrong on a human being. He, for him to hit the, th- they've won games this year because of his three point shooting. They've won games this year because his defense was a good contributor. Didn't win it because of him, but because his defense contributed a lot. And I'm not going to say they won the game last night because of his passing. I mean, 
KD and Beal did go for 30, and they had eight assists apiece themselves. But actually, KD and Beal had seven assists. I said eight twice. Sorry about that. Yet that was a fantastic game from Grayson Allen. Because of his three-point shooting, they were a little nervous uh, about playing him. And you know what? I I told you I wanted five and six. Can I throw you a curveball, Izzy? Give me Beal one. Because um, I'm I'm talking about Grayson Allen, so I'd rather give uh, have play Bradley Beal. I really thought this comment from Bradley Beal was like a window into his soul. Grayson Allen's numbers: eight points, fourteen assists. I realize in our life we don't live our life by stats, but I got to tell you, every player in the world. When they see a stat line like that at eight points, they're thinking in the back of their head, man, couldn't I have made one more shot so I had a double-double? I mean, that's that's a stat unto itself. People keep track of how many double-doubles I get. I needed one more bucket. And it just, it's not the end of the world. You don't go home throwing things. Honey, what's wrong? I was a basket away from a double-double. You know, you don't get bent out of shape, but it's just it just sticks at you. Or in a locker room, guys are funny. Hey, Gray. How'd you miss it? You had a chance. What are you doing? Eight points. Why didn't you push it? Why didn't you get aggressive? And then people hammer you. Listen to Bradley Beal as he looks at the stat line and finds out about Grayson Allen's career-high assists. And listen to how Bradley Beal allows it to affect himself. Honestly, it was my fault because I should have gave him the ball at the end. I shot that damn three. I didn't realize he had eight points. He could have had a nice little double-double tonight, so... I'm gonna just take two of my points and give him the G tonight because he could he could have a nice little double double. That's nice. I mean, he had he said he's never passed that much, so <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, it, that could be anybody on any given night. You know, you're just caught in that extra that extra pass rotation, and you know, you're just making the right play, and you know, that's that's unselfish hoops, man, for sure. It's just simple, but it shows you what kind of team these guys are. It totally shows you that, that Grayson Allen is aware. And he's and, and I know it's a small thing when, when a guy says that damn three, but he's talking about himself. Why did I do that? Like, do you, I don't know how many of you remember this game. There was a game about three years ago. The Suns signed Gunner, selfish player. Yes, I said it for all of you that are BYU fans. Jimmer Fredette. And I forget how much Devin was going for that night. I think Devin had 48 points at Utah. And Jimmer Fredette gets the ball and forces up a contested three late in the fourth quarter and doesn't give it to Book. It's like, wait, the number is 50. It's right there. And Jimmer Fredette is so into his game, he chucks it up, misses the three, and then he's shocked when he gets cut later that week. It's just so, it's such a low basketball IQ, especially for fans that love it. Man, I'll never forget on the old show. People used to railroad me when I would tell everybody Jimmer Fredette is going to be one of the worst first round picks ever. Don't, oh, he could shoot. He could listen. Listen, he's not getting that shot off in the NBA. Oh, Jimmer, Jimmer, Jimmer. the guy stunk. 
get a wonderful college player. When you have four guys that aren't very good and one guy that can shoot, go ahead, Jimmer. Knock yourself out in college basketball. But you got to know how it translates. He did not translate it. So many Jimmer fans didn't want to hear it. It's the same thing with Tim Tebow. There, I don't know what it is. There are just certain guys that everybody says, I love that guy. Okay. He's a wonderful college player. There's nothing wrong with that. But quit this business. It's going to be great when he goes to the pros. That game didn't translate. Where he excelled is not available in the pros. Well, anyway, sorry. For, if Mr. and Mrs. Fredette listened to Doug Franz Unplugged. Sorry that I just ripped your kid. But this was a case where here's Bradley Beal now realizing he could have done something. And even though it wasn't a bad three-point attempt, he cares. That's the mark of a good team. Um, let's go to Kevin Durant real quick, Izzy, and then we'll go back to Frank Vogel. So I'll take KD1 and KD2 if you could. Um, this is Kevin Durant. And remember what I said about the assist-to-turnover ratio, 37 to 12? He KD likes to go through the stats. So it's going to be weird. You're going to hear dead air. And it's basically Kevin Durant just looking over the stat sheet. And where do his eyes go? Yeah, man, we had guys in and out the lineup all season. So we kind of understand what our roles are when guys go out. Um, it's the next man mentality in the league. And... You know, try to make up for everything we lost with Book. You know, he could do so much out there. So we got to have 14 assists. Then we got two guys with 30. and 19 for EG. 12 for Drew. Like, we, we made up for it. So uh, that's what well-rounded teams do. And regardless of who's out there, we got to continue to keep playing together and playing hard. So uh, 37 assists, 12 turnovers. I love that. I like that that's where his eyes went. I mean, you really know. It's almost like you can tell the personality of your team by assist to turnover ratio. But make sure you use that stat and compare it to the other team. Because it also shows your defense if you're forcing the other team into turnovers. And if you are really doing a good job contesting shots, you might turn good passes into non-baskets. Because this I realize how elementary this sounds. If they don't make the shot, there's no assist. You don't have an assist and a rebound on the same play. So therefore, well, obviously you can get an offensive rebound, kick it out for an assist, but you know my point. I bring that up because when your assist to turnover ratio is that good and theirs is average, it shows you're defending and it shows you're sharing the ball. And those go hand in hand because it's hard to make jumpers when you're tired. How do you get tired? You get tired playing defense, making them chase the ball. So if you're moving the ball, they get tired defensively. They miss shots. If you're defending aggressively, you're contesting shots. They miss shots. They don't get assists. They get turnovers. You get high assists. You get low turnovers. (gasps) Game's over. You've got more points. Basketball really is that simple if you use effort uh, involved in it. Uh, What else you got, KD? What's on your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's the beauty of Brad that he can stop and go so quickly. Uh, he gets so low to the ground, so he that you know he can get into the paint with his ability. Uh, he definitely, he can shoot the ball at an elite clip, you know. So the more, I mean, twenty one shots. He, been, he took twenty shots last game, and then you know, last few games, I feel like he's taking a lot of shots, and that's what we need from him, you know, for him to be on the on the gas to make something happen. And, you know, he's been doing that the last three or four games. 
there are uh, I don't see a lot of superstars in NBA history that say he's taking a lot of shots. That's what we need from him. How many NBA players in the past that are superstars demand the ball? Okay. I don't really see Michael Jordan saying, hey, Bill Cartwright's been taking 20 shots a game. That's what we need from him. (laughs) Okay. You don't have superstars saying to other people, that's what we need from you when it comes to shots. They look at it as every shot you miss is a shot I didn't take. Now, if Kevin would have said, you know, he's been making a lot of shots and that's what we need from him. Okay, that whatever. You need everybody to make shots. But when you just boil it down to we want him taking more shots, that shows the selflessness of Kevin Durant because he knows we win games when Bradley Beal feels like he can be aggressive. That was really good. Okay, let's wrap it up with the last two from Vogel since we were talking and listening to Kevin Durant. Let's hear about Kevin Durant from Frank Vogel. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not changing what Kevin Durant's doing. Kevin Durant right now is playing on an all-defensive team level on that side of the ball. And I, I don't know if he's ever been on an all-defensive team or if he's gotten votes or whatnot, but he's playing on that level right now defensively. It's wildly impressive to myself and, and to our coaching staff, not only wanting to you know to guard the other team's best player, but doing a great job on those guys. And then when he switches and, and guards other guys on the floor, like his disposition has been spectacular and, and a huge reason uh, you know that we've been winning games of late. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about his offense, but he's really bringing it on that side of the ball. Um, with that said, Royce is somebody that can come in and share the load. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, we'll talk about his role and his role will, um, you know, play out as, as the season goes goes along. But he's definitely someone that is, I mean, he, he's, his role over the last five years as a starter has been go in and guard the other, you know, the other team's best three, four, you know what I mean? So he can, he can definitely share some of the, the, the load with that. And um, it's really going to help us. I, right now, KD is sixth in scoring 29th in assists and he's just outside the top 50 when it comes to rebounds I actually would like to see his rebound totals go up a little bit but when you look at the defense he's playing I'm not putting him in an MVP conversation because he wasn't I think by coach's decision he wasn't playing defense at that level at the beginning of the of the season but if this keeps going I think it's like seriously time to start talking about that because you look at the amount of games Booker and Beal have missed off and on through the season and it was KD that was pulling the chains and then KD another I mean listen to these numbers from last night he goes for 31 eight boards seven assists three steals two blocks and now and he's doing it while he's guarding their best player now he's not shutting people down totally but he's holding the Giannis's of the world and the Markinens of the world below their average what else do you want from a guy scoring 30 points and holding your guy one of your best guys below his average that's that's exactly what an MVP does it might be time to, for us to actually start talking about that for uh, Kevin Durant alright last one uh, obviously a nice win not a lot of people talk about it when you beat Utah it's a nice win but Utah came into the game as a playoff team they were in I think ninth place in the standings and that's a playoff spot nice win Frank yeah, well, I mean that team that Utah had a few years back you know where they had to 
they set records for the number one offense in the league and they were in the number one seed. I mean, uh, the blender that they were playing with, the driving kick and, uh, you know, getting guys open and slip outs and, and all those types of things. You know, he's a really good offensive player. He's not just a shooter. And Kev mentioned his passing and I think he's going to elevate, elevate everything we do on that side of the ball as well as what he does defensively. Really good, really good Suns breakdown, breakdown, breakdown today. So thanks, Izzy, for pulling how much uh, Suns sound that you did. Suns almost shot 60% yesterday and doing it without Book. Uh, This might be a case where they just say, you know what, Book, the way we played, let's just sit you out the rest of the way until the All-Star break. I don't think that'll happen because where are they next? They're at Golden State, and I believe it's a nationally televised ABC game. So I have a feeling Book's going to play, but I kind of like the idea of Book just taking off, getting rest, and then being ready for the big push. But he probably won't do that because of the All-Star game. And it is kind of crappy to say, let's miss regular season games just so you can play in the All-Star game. But Booker getting rest, I'm not completely against that. All right, coming up next, we have... Fire alarms to talk about because there's a little bit uh, of an issue there. And some of the other things that uh, I haven't gotten to yet are kind of shocking. And I got one story about the old show that you have to hear that comes up now because the man's in the Hall of Fame. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. So are you a bull? This damn chair drives me crazy. Oh my gosh. I just got up. I have all the wheels unlocked. The caster should roll. And then in eight seconds, one decides, no, we're locking in place. I realize it's a high champagne problem. There there are people that haven't had running water in a month uh, on planet Earth. Yes, I should get over it. It's a chair. But who invents these stupid things? Hey, I know. Let's have casters that just lock in place. Then why have wheels? I know a good idea. Don't put casters on a chair if you want it to stay in place. Thank you. By the way, that rant can be every day. So be prepared for it because it just drives me crazy. Uh, Last night, um, not last night two nights ago but talked about yesterday uh is this a little shenanigans is there a chief fan trying to create home field advantage in las vegas 49ers running back christian mccaffrey 
Yeah, and I think anytime you're you're not at home, you're not in your area, you just have to expect adversity. You know, I go into these things, just try to find my zen, expect, you know, as soon as the fire alarm went off, I just laugh. I'm like, of course this would happen. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, it's part of it, you know. Is it random? No. I think there's no way it's random, but it's part of it, you know. I mean, it's, it's just more wood thrown in the fire. How, are they, how does the old school for you guys? I, I, you know, honestly, for me, I, I can't even think about it because I, I just have the mindset of it doesn't matter. Whether they're good or bad, it doesn't matter. I have a job to do. And uh, if, I, if I sit here and think about the fields, I'm, I'm not focused on my job. So I just try to focus on, you know, no matter how bad the fields are or how, you know, soft it is or different it is in normal fields, I just have to lock in on my job. There's some brilliant stuff there. If you didn't hear what happened, it's twofold. A, you still got the real soft field because they threw sod down on top of the UNLV turf practice field, but they didn't do a good job getting it set up and let it, letting it have a normal hardness. So the guys are slipping in on the practice field, so they can't really get great work in. So that's the second part of that. And I like how he, he didn't sound like he was complaining, but did you hear about, listen, I've got to focus on my job. I can't be thinking about how soft the playing surface is i can't be thinking about how difficult it is to prepare because of that i've just got to, well he's right but he's telling you all the things that's pissing him off so that was a brilliant way to complain number two was the beginning of it about 10 minutes before most of the players were gonna get up on thursday morning the fire alarm went off in their hotel let me give you the craziest conspiracy theory ever I kind of think somebody with the 49ers did it. (laughs) Now, you might go, wait, what? If you're a Chiefs fan and you want to prank the 49ers, you want to piss off the 49ers, you really want to interrupt their sleep. Wouldn't you pull the fire alarm at 3? Wouldn't you pull the fire alarm at 4 in the morning? I don't know if a lot of you know this. NFL players get to work a lot of them before 7 15 in the morning the late stragglers get in before eight the hardcore dudes when you hear the first one in last one out those guys are there at six so when you're in a team hotel and your your practice facility unlv is not very far away you're getting up at some point around i would say about 6.15, the alarm went off at about 4 till 6. Unless it's a bunch of Chiefs fans gambling, got drunk and forgot they planned on pulling the fire alarm and they're pulling an all-nighter. It's a dumb time to pull the fire alarm right before the guys are getting up anyway. So I, I kind of think it was a 49er doing it for one more, hey, they're against us. It's just one more distraction. See what they're trying to do. It's the field. It's this, but we're going to get them. You know, it's, because it doesn't make sense to pull it 10 minutes before somebody gets up. How does that really distract you? I, I think that that's a funny storyline that, uh, that is going on. And uh, the only other thing in my notes that I got to get to other than I don't have time to say. Did you know the Sun Devils were down 18-1 to yesterday? Um, Dwight Freeney made the Football Hall of Fame. And I will never forget this story. The the Cardinals were practicing at the Greenbrier, which is a gorgeous West Virginia resort. And while they were there, Wolf, I, I didn't travel with the team, 
Wolf just happened to be in the equipment room, this room that they turned into an equipment room at the Greenbrier Resort. And while he's there, he sees a helmet that is just sitting there and he's trying to be funny and he puts the helmet on and he starts doing stupid stuff to entertain people in the room. And then he asks the equipment guy, whose helmet is this? And the guy says, it's Dwight Freeney's. And Wolf's like, oh, wow, okay. Man, great spin move. And he says some compliments about Dwight Freeney's, and then he walks away. That's the end of the story. Wolf doesn't tell anybody with the radio station that he was wearing Dwight Freeney's helmet. Doesn't tell anybody. Then, the next day, Dwight Freeney, it's announced he has signed a contract with eight games remaining to be a Cardinal. And Wolf Neffer's like, oh, I guess that's a big story, isn't it? Like, wait, you could we would have had the scoop on Doug and Wolf. You could have told, hey, guess what? I wore Dwight Freeney's helmet. I go, oh, did you wear his charger? No, 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 his Cardinals. What do you mean you wore his Cardinals helmet? Yeah, they're going to sign him. They were getting his equipment ready. What? We would have had the scoop and we didn't have it because Wolf, did, Wolf didn't even think, oh, is that a big deal? I'm wearing Dwight Freeney's helmet. So, Dwight Freeney, congratulations for getting into uh, the Football Hall of Fame. Coming up at 8 o'clock this morning, Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray will give you the main event here on WTSMTV.com, part of our continuing only station in Phoenix, in Arizona, that gives you a long set of morning sports on television. And, Steve, how are you? What, what's your uh, weekend plans this weekend? Little as possible. I've had a busy week. Uh, Izzy and I are on the uh, are on the same boat with you uh, uh, on I'm that a, one. I'm and a, then you've I'm got a, your uh, other show coming up in a couple hours today too, right? Uh, no, uh, we're oh, that's uh, right. Today pit, you're off. Pit stops off because NASCAR doesn't do anything yep. Super Bowl weekend, obviously. Uh, so be back next Friday at noon. Yes. Is it a huge deal that for 400 years the Daytona 500 is the first race, and now it's not? Uh, no, no, it, it still is, is the first race. Is it? Uh, the, so wh- the Clash is a exhibition race. Ah, so thank it, you. The Clash that shows my used, noviceness. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I'll, I'll educate you. <laughs> uh, the uh, <laughs> in seriousness, the Clash was always the week of the you know week before Daytona 500 in Daytona. So it was kind of like you know it's their Super Bowl is what people call it. So they had a lot of events around the Daytona. Now kind of like uh, you know in a, you know uh, NFL and kind of like, like a Pro that. Bowl. Yeah, do, moving it around yeah. they went to the coliseum to kind of get the la market more yeah. uh, that's what that is but that was just an exhibition right? it means nothing on the season they get to drive their cars they get a, you know they get some extra practice in terms of the crews and stuff like that but it means nothing i realize the they've season. got a lot of money but that is weird to go all the way i realize listen, it, it's yeah, marketing but go all the way to la then go to the far east coast of florida and then in not very long they come back to arizona uh, it's, right it's uh i gotta remember the schedule because this changes here it's daytona Atlanta, and then I think they're out here, Phoenix, and they lost a, a West Coast race in Auto Club over in LA. Uh, so they're not even out. Usually they're out here for three weeks, and now they're only out here for like two before they go back and forth. They're oh, Vegas I drove in Arizona. Yeah. I didn't plan out one of our vacations well, and I didn't know about the other California race, and we hit race traffic. Oh my goodness, was that death. Uh, yeah, it's so what I've started to do, you know, when I go is obviously we stay, but we leave right after the race ends. We do our media stuff. We get the, we watch the press conferences, let traffic die down. Uh, and then we rush out there to, to start to drive home wherever the race is. And we just sit in traffic for an hour. Wow. <laughs> and we're there for an hour, hour 
and a half after the event ends. Yeah. And we still sit in the traffic trying to get out of town. Yeah, to get back home. You now, know. I have been to one NASCAR race I've been to. When I lived in Kansas City, I went to a NASCAR race. No, you went to one here in the in a booth. Yes, yes, that's right. I've been, so I've actually Doug, been. Doug, let me tell you about your life. I've been to, th- yeah, thank you. I've been to three total. Yeah. I went to a, a, tal- a race at Talladega, and I went oh, to a, 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 a race uh, in Kansas yep. City, and I went to a race here. Well, and I got to tell you about Kansas City, which was crazy. Yeah. Can- this is like, this shows you I'm totally not NASCAR. It was my favorite track because I literally got from the booth to my house at yeah. the end of the race in 25 minutes. Yeah. Kansas, that Kansas one is s- designed so well to yeah. get you out, but everybody that I ever talked to at NASCAR says it's the most boring track that they have. So, like, everybody else doesn't Wait, like it, and I was Kansas, like, hey, I got Kansas, out easy. No, the Kansas race? No, there's way more boring racetracks than that. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kansas actually tends to be a fun one. Okay. So okay. I don't know who you're talking to, but uh, yeah, there, yeah. I mean, it was it was a new track, and they talked yeah, about back, the... the back, t- yeah, back you, then, it, yeah. yeah, back then. But now it's actually a pretty fun track. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, so, hey, have a good show uh, later on today. What's coming up on the main event? Yeah, but dang, getting shoved off early. Nice. No, no. I figured whatever you said, I figured we'd talk about it for a little yeah, bit. I'm just kidding. With oh, you. okay. Uh, so obviously, Super Bowl picks. We're going to talk about um, uh, Devin Hester making the Pro Bowl. What the F is that? We can't get punters into that. We can't get field goal kickers into that. But we have a guy that just catches a ball and runs because his blockers do a good job into the Hall of Fame. Are you kidding me, folks? That's just for Izzy right there uh, with Devin Hester. Uh, but then the uh, who got snubbed, Antonio Gates not getting in is the biggest ripoff I have ever seen. The guy changed the tight end position. You do not have Travis Kelsey. You do not have Kittle. You do not have Gronkowski unless Antonio Gates decides to stop playing basketball, goes into San Diego and dominates the tight end position and literally reforms it. And the voters were like, eh. Oh, well, wait another time, son. He should have been a kick returner. <laughs> <laughs> I admit, I, I am not. I'm kind of noncommittal about Devin Hester. Like, uh, no, it's, a, I, it's a joke. Would yeah. I have voted for him? Probably not, but I, I get, get it. it. And it is a position. It exists, and he is probably the best at it. He got him in the Super Bowl that year. That, yeah. Uh, they lost to the Colts. Uh, and the Prince, I call it the Prince Super Bowl for the halftime. Okay, okay. Uh, down there in, uh, I think it was Miami. But, um, yeah, it just, it just uh, you know, for uh, an organization, Look, he changed kick return. But Vaisikahema was good, too. Yeah, He's yeah, not in the Hall yeah. of Fame. What's the difference? I, the thing, but the where I really, I like strongly almost stand on the table and agree with you, you're absolutely right about Antonio Yeah, how does, how does he get bypassed? Now, you know, Freeney, uh, you know, uh, Johnson, the receiver from Atlanta. I mean, those guys are Hall of Famers, yeah, period, yeah. end of story. Uh, but when you look at it and go, man, Antonio not getting in, what were voters thinking? And then the comeback... Uh, person of the word. I, I heard your uh, your comments earlier. Uh, uh, 100 bucks. They changed the voting back to only voting. Voting, uh, you know, um, you know, one vote. Oh, yeah. Of three, because yeah. that's how it happened. Uh, but look, look, as an old guy, I, I've never died. <laughs> Caveat here. But... Man, as an old guy getting off the couch and going and all of a sudden being successful at football, I mean that's not easy, folks. Yeah, I, you know what? I I don't mind I don't mind people voting for Flacco, and I'll get listen. It, I know it's the second I, and third. He had the most yeah. second and third votes. That's yes. what got him the win. Yes, it wasn't that he was everybody it's voted the, him. It's one. the eight people that said Devin Hester shouldn't even get a vote uh, for uh, comeback uh, yeah. player of the year. Uh, Hamlin, that's, yeah. Hamlin. I have never cared about comeback player of the year in my yeah. life until eight people say coming back from the dead 
dead and playing football isn't that hard. Yeah, this is why we need to stop having media vote as well. Lamar Jackson would have been unanimous, except for one idiot that voted Josh Allen as MVP. Yeah. Josh Allen wasn't even in the conversation. Yeah. Like, I can understand if you voted CMC as, as your other vote, but Josh Allen, you yeah. get the one vote, too. That is an atrocity. And I thought it's it was a, a season out. award. I mean, Josh yes. Allen, yeah. he gave Lamar Jackson a great run if we're talking about the last two months. Well, exactly. That's what if I'm you would argue yeah. he's the, the last two-month MVP, yeah. I disagree, but I'll Nobody. listen to you. I mean, but they, for 17 games, no way! It goes back to that baseball thing. Thing, right well they, oh, we can't have two we can't have the only unanimous guy be Lamar Jackson yeah. the guy that voted Josh Allen probably thinks Lamar Jackson should be a running back still he's probably <laughs> on that train right I'm totally uh, you know oh he should be a receiver not a quarterback uh sons yesterday uh you know we'll talk more about it on my show but man uh if Matt Ishbia hasn't shown you sons fans oh, that man. he is going to make the right moves I don't know what you what proof you need then we got defense yesterday folks it's gonna be fun let's yep. do it <laughs> all right <laughs> Let's take Steve's point about Matt Ishbia and let's make a law that's totally un-American. Robert Sarver should have to sell something else at his house. Just force him into selling something else. Matt Ishbia is so much better than you, Robert, that you've got to sell something else. I don't care what it is. Sell a car to the less fortunate, move to a different house, I don't care. Matt Ishbia is so much better than you at his job that since we can't fire you, you should have to sell something else like you had to sell the Suns. All right, versus Vegas yesterday. Do you ever get smacked in the face so hard that it's only one smack, but it's such an embarrassing smack that you kind of, the confidence should not be shot, all right? I am, I here's my January numbers. I went 33-20-2 in January, up 18 and a quarter units. In February, going into last night, I was 8-1 and one and up 12 units in only nine games. I would, I've been doing this well. Yesterday, I had two plays, but one of them is Justin Thomas being in the top 10 at the Phoenix Open. So that's, you know, we got to wait until Sunday to find out, well, if this thing ever finishes, but find out about that. I went 0-1 in my games. This was not, however, a soft 0-1. (laughs) The Pacers are at home. Golden State flew from Philly into Indiana for the game. I'm looking at that game, and I'm thinking, you know what? Big advantage Pacers. I'll take the Pacers minus 5.5. I was hoping it was Pacers minus 3.5. I had no doubt the Pacers were winning. I was a little nervous about 5.5, but no doubt the Pacers were winning. The Pacers did not cover because they did not win. Golden State won 131 to 104. 130. I mean, just beat the living crap out of the Pacers. And here I am sitting here with my Pacers minus five and a half. Wow. I mean, it's one. If they would have gotten beat by two. If they would have won by four and not covered, I, you know, I'd still feel pretty good. Hey, the season this year's been good to me. We'll, we'll be fine. You miss a game that bad, it's going to hit you a, a little bit. So I went 0-1 yesterday, but hopefully we get great news from Justin Thomas on Sunday that'll make you feel a little better. 
of him finishing in the top 10. We got plus 130 juice on that one. Uh, the only game I like, I didn't like any NHL games, and I just want to be point blank. I didn't have a chance to study uh, college basketball for the weekend. The one game I like, the Lakers, even though they're at home, they're on the back end of a back-to-back. They didn't lose to Denver by much. Uh, and then now they play at home against New Orleans. I like New Orleans. The Pelicans are favored by a point and a half. Um, I, I'm going to take the point and a half. The juice is 10 bucks. It's minus 12 to have them cover, minus 122 to have them on the money line. So I'm going to be pretty upset if the Pelicans win by only one. But I look at this, even though you and I know the Pelicans are good and the Lakers are in and out whether they're good. There is just something about gearing up to play Denver, the defending national world champions. And then here comes New Orleans. So I feel like the Pelicans are all fired up to take on the legendary Lakers, take on LeBron. Here we go. While the Lakers are kind of like, you're not Denver. We're tired from Denver last night. Even though it's a, it's a home back-to-back, I, li- I really like New Orleans tonight. So I'll take the Pelicans covering the point and a half. I probably should go safe when it's only a $10 difference in juice and take the money line, but I'd rather I'd rather get better juice because minus 112 is really good. Let's take the Pels. Pels win by three. We're happy, and maybe we're starting to rebuild from just the vicious beatdown that, uh, that I took at the hands of Gold State. Can't be much more wrong than that one. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. The website is live, unplugged at whirlwind.com for our next sanctioned event, unplugged at whirlwind.com. Make sure, though, don't click on the button for the Whirlwind Plus plan. I'd like you, I'd like, hey, I shouldn't say don't. I'd love for you to sign up for Whirlwind Plus. But if you want to play golf with us on February 23rd, make sure you hit the events tab. The events tab is where you go, and then it'll explain the event. Normally, $260 to play golf at Whirlwind in February. We've got the course for 109 Yeah. So think about that. If you sign up for golf going to whirlwind.com and you sign up for an 1130 tee time, it's 260. You go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and you sign up for a time in the 12 o'clock hour, it's 109. That's what Sweet Lou is doing for us as a member of the Unplugged Army. So I'd love to have you out there. If you don't golf or you can't golf, please come out anyway and join us for breakfast or lunch or a small happy hour. However, they close kind of early, so we might be going to up to, to, to Bells or something like that afterwards. I'll tell you more about that coming up tomorrow. But that's unplugged at whirlwind.com. I should say tomorrow on Monday. Bell's Nashville Kitchen, home of the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich, best sandwich in the state of Arizona. Best breakfast burrito you'll ever have is Burrito Express, seven locations across the east side. And please, if you have any issues, think about our weather, what's coming up. Boy, the poor Phoenix Open. We're going to be in the 50s all weekend. By Wednesday, it might hit 80. So that is just murder on your system when it goes back and forth all the time. If there's any issues... Call Parker and Sons. No extra charge for nights, weekends, or emergency situations. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. As far as... oh. 
I got, do I have five minutes? Yeah. I got time for one more thing. Just want to congratulate Larry Scott, Dr. Crow, everybody with the Pac-12, all that you've done for us. Uh, the SEC just distributed $51 million per school for the last calendar or uh, financial year. That was up $19 million. $741 million distributed to member schools in the SEC. Now, never was the Pac-12 going to be there, but the gap keeps kept getting worse and worse and worse, and everybody acted like it was okay. George, nice job. All the other conference commissioner or presidents that wanted to sit and listen to uh, what George and Larry Scott had to say, man, for guys that supposedly have great IQs, you're dumb. <laughs> have a great weekend. You've earned it on a beer Friday. The main event is up next. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday.